I got one wish in life before I die, nigga. Smoke with Snoop. So please <laughs> arrange that shit. Like, nigga, he could be in the same room as me. I don't even have to smoke his blunt. I'm just saying, like, I just be like, yo, I was in the room when that nigga was smoking. And I would just be like, what's up, yo? And I would have that nigga laughing. And he'd be like, yo, this nigga's cool. Hey, dude, you want to take a picture with me, man? You really you thought this through. You just, yeah. <laughs> you just took us through the dream sequence. Yeah, for sure. This is yeah, written in his diary. diary. Hmm. And and then Snoop says, <laughs> "Snoop some of this," and then I'm gonna say, <laughs> "Dear diary, look, look." <laughs> this is another episode of Decoding Forty. This is Mac, a.k.a. Mr. Raw, making all your fantasies come true. This is L.O., live from BK, but residing in Harlem. What's up, it's your boy Vin, a.k.a. Vinny Pugazi, master of impressions. Yo, what's up, this is Howard, and I'm talking directly into the mic. Welcome to the stage, guys. <laughs> uh, Google, I just do heroin. That sounds gross. No, y'all just trying to play me out. Oh, I'm being a backer. <laughs> What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another exciting episode of Decoding 40. My name is Mac, a.k.a. Mr. Rock, a.k.a. Whoopi, and I'm here with my main man. Yo, this is L.O.Dot, a.k.a. Daddy Daycare. It's your boy Vin in the building. Just hope that everybody's safe and sound. This is Alaric West. Alaric West. Alaric West. Mm. That's why like Rick, Adam, Rick No is, relation to Cornell West. Rick is or on Kanye the West. <laughs> or Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> Batman! Rick's out there in the West Coast in the in the California, a, a.k.a. COVID world. Hey, let's start. Let's start with you, Rick. What's going on in your life, Rick? Uh, man, um, this is the first work trip, you know, since the pandemic came out back in March. It's a little weird, you know, like there's 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 different protocols for this for this production. Like they we we had to test before we left. Then um, we are basically quarantined in the hotel for two days and then we get to work and we won't even be in the same room with the subject which is going to be very, very interesting. Mm. This is all pretty much going to be done remote control, which I've never done before, but um, it's going to be an interesting experiment. The, the, the one thing that's really cool about um, these new ways of doing things is like I'm learning some new technology and some new solutions to problems. And uh, it's, a, it's just a new skill set. So I'm enjoying that part. It wasn't bad, although I had a very weird experience with one of the flight attendants. Mm. So I was my seat was 14. We were flying on Delta and my seat was 14 G, which is a window seat. And this particular plane was like two seats, four seats in the middle, two seats at the end. You know, that that style seat Mm -hmm. seating arrangement. Um, So I get on the flight and. There's a guy sitting in 14F, which is the seat right next to G. And I'm like, why is why are you sitting here? Like, 
are you sure you're in the right spot? He's like, yeah, yeah, 14F. I was like, okay, let me go to the flight attendant and sort of sort this out because there's a lot of space around. So the first flight attendant, who was a middle-aged white woman. Quiet. And um, I said, you know, my seat, our seats are right next to each other. You know, is there something going on? She's like, oh, well, on on these planes, um, there's no middle seats. So, yeah. Hmm? She left it at that. And I and I stood there for like more than three beats. Like <laughs> we're just kind of looking at each other. <laughs> then the other flight attendant, who happened to be an uh, a, a woman of Asian descent, said, "Oh, let me look at the manifest and see what we can do." And she said, "Oh, okay, nobody's in fifteen right now. Just take that seat. You can have that row." I was like, "Okay, awesome." But I'm like, why didn't this woman? She wasn't even interested in helping me. She had nothing to say other than. Oh, well. Were you and wearing it, a Black Lives Matter t-shirt? I, I wasn't. I, well, <laughs> I wasn't, but you can't help, in those situations, you can't help but wonder, did my blackness influence that interaction? She probably smelled the Black Lives Matter cologne you had on. That's the problem. <laughs> she said she just, he looks like he's a part of those people. He just looks a menace. I don't know if she's in D.C. on Saturday, you know, you know mm-hmm. trying to protest the election i maybe i don't know or maybe she just watches all the videos um but i gladly maybe, took maybe you know my entire row seats maybe she does <laughs> maybe she recognizes you from it, the show it, that's funny <laughs> this i think that that's one of the most unique experiences for black people in america it's like you have these weird interactions with people and you don't know what to attribute it to is this person just having a bad day? Is she coming at me because I'm black? But it wasn't overt. She didn't say, she didn't call anybody nigger. She didn't. She know. was thinking it. I was going to say, she thought it real hard, though. If but she looked like she was thinking it. Hold on, hold on. If she looked nigger, like she was thinking it. And if um, this I, nigger doesn't get out of my face right now, I swear to God, <laughs> I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Karen, just for sir, the seats are empty. Just sit wherever. I don't care. We're gonna put you in the overhead. Just whatever. <laughs> Yo, oh, uppity Negroes. Oh my but, goodness. One of the lessons that I've learned is like, even if I do feel, if as long as I feel it, I'm gonna attribute it to you, hmm. right? Because I don't want to. I'm not gonna discount my own feelings. Absolutely. You know, you know um, I'm sorry. Exchange for yours. L said it the other about uh, two shows ago, maybe one or two shows ago, where he said about the trusting your spiritual energy and, and channeling that and getting that energy and, and trusting it, trusting how you're feeling because it's probably you're probably right. You know, I know racist energy when I smell it. Yes, mm. yes. What's it smell like? Racist age like trash. Apparently, is what mm. I heard. It smells like bologna and cheese and, and, it and like burnt plastic. It smells like burnt vegetables plastic. and the macaroni and cheese. Is what it smells Ugh. like. Is what it's <laughs> what? <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and put these carrots, these turnips. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and put these tomatoes in the macaroni and cheese. We're gonna also add some raisins. Please stop. Please stop. And <laughs> some capers. Yeah. Did you say raisins in the mac and cheese? And raisins. It's in capers. It's delicious. Capers just gives it that flair. We sometimes I put olives in it, just so when I throw up, I can see a, a different colors on the floor. It's like a canvas. I paint, throw up from my macaroni and cheeses that I create. It's disgusting. And I, I what I do is I, 
I use uh, I don't I use craft cheese, the slices. I just put it in there. <laughs> I, I layer it. It's like a macaroni and cheese vomit lasagna. It's delicious. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting at someone's table and they put that down and you're like, well, what is this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> That's, That's when, when you mentally knock it over on the floor. <laughs> right. That's when you go. That's when you go. You know what? Um, <laughs> I really want to try your mac and cheese. Unfortunately, I'm a vegan that yeah. eats turkey, <laughs> but <laughs> I can't. I can't eat dairy. So I also have what I also have a problem with is I can't eat nasty ass white folk mac and cheese <laughs> with vegetables in it, nigga. What are you doing with the vegetables? Why are there vegetables in the mac and cheese? God damn it. Yo, have you ever gone to somebody's house or gone to a barbecue and ev- and everything is nasty and they keep offering you different things and everything you say no to and they go, wait, wait, I got it. And then they go to the next thing, and you're like, "No, mm, wait, wait, oh, you're not gonna take a plate. You're not gonna I take have, a plate. No, I have I culturally, plate, I have culturally been to enough different houses to tell you that has happened to me many times. Many Yo. times, my shit is mm. nasty. Well, I'm, I don't eat meat, so usually when I go to a cookout, I don't eat anything except mm. rolls, maybe some salad. Yeah, if I'm lucky. <laughs> It's well, hard to mess up the salad. Well, when I had my barbecue that time, I had food for you. You had you had to eat. You had curry. Yeah. We had you know when you come over when, I, when when people come over to my house, I try to make sure that everybody can eat. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, nigga, yeah, yeah. But but nigga, don't come at me and no. Look, if, if I come to your house and you don't feed me, I'm gonna take offense to that. But if I go to some random some random person's house and they don't feed me. Be like, shami nigga, all we got is burgers and chicken today. Hope you bought some chips. <laughs> Fill up with some chips and dips. And some nasty ass hot dogs. Hold up, hold up. Like, yo, I got this white folk mac and cheese in here if you want some. <laughs> oh, <laughs> got no meat in it. Fire. Capers and, and olives, nigga, is delicious. <laughs> we, we got it. We still have it from last year. Let me just pull it out the freezer. Pull out the oh. freezer. Mad freezer burn on it. Oh, man. Oof, that's disgusting. That is awesome. Also, so I I also had a, uh, this is also the first away job after spending, what's November. So it's eight months daily with my kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really, I I wasn't expecting it, but uh, for some reason, um, doing the video chat with my daughter and singing her Twinkle Twinkle, which I do every night, um, just made me a little emotional. Mm -hmm. That's what's up, man. Um, Yeah. Then you started running around the apartment like, they're not here. They are not here. (laughs) I'm alone by myself. Thank you. you. I'll have a key of cocaine (laughs) and four bottles of whiskey. You you would think I'd be enjoying this more, but I literally can't leave the room. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. If if it's my choice and and I didn't leave the room, that'd be one thing. But when somebody tells me I cannot leave the room, I'm in California. Like yeah. why? Why wouldn't I want to go outside, take a walk? Do you at least have a balcony market. or terrace? Nope. Oh wow! I can see the pool Damn. from here though. Wow, that's tough. Yeah, can't that leave the tough. room. Wow. Instacart. And how do they know if you leave the room? They don't. But you know, it's, it's sir. Why? Honest. Why did you get ice, sir? Sir, why did you get ice? Like I, I had to order Instacart, and um, like because we have a little kitchenette in in the hotel room, and um. I had to order groceries from Instacart and I went downstairs to the lobby. Like to the lobby is not a big deal. I'm not spending any time down there. I'm coming in contact with one person, bringing it back. 
But yeah, unless you know, that it's, it's person good in the is COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am Senor COVID. <laughs> I work for Instacart. Hold on, let it's me call. Instacart. Let me give you a drop right into your. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking beers is dripped in COVID. No! Can I have five stars, please? Yes. <laughs> five you feel stars. that? You feel that heat? That's your temperature, nigga. Mm. COVID. <laughs> Got him. Does, does Instacart deliver alcohol in New York? Because they do it here. I don't know. I, do I think not they know. do it in Jersey. I'm going to check when I get back. I think they, I want to say they do it in Jersey because, um, yeah, they might. I'll look into that while you guys are talking. I know Uber Eats does, and I almost ordered from today, and I realized I had some stuff that I needed to get through. So yeah, fuck Uber Eats, first. man. I, I'm, I'm tired of giving them niggas $75 to get a $5 plate. I'm just not yeah, doing it. Everything is like that. <laughs> everything is like that. Yo, everything B, is. let me get two fucking jerk chicken plates, the, the medium jerk chicken plates, an oxtail. Normally, is like $25, $30. Uber Eats. Seventy five, eighty nine plus the t- nigga. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> yo. Can I? So I get during, in my car, drive over to the spot. So during the renovation, um, we had to eat out a lot, and we had to involve our insurance company because we didn't know where the the responsibility was going to lie between the contractor, the management company, or us. So you know, we have uh, condo insurance. And it turns out we were able to get reimbursed for all the meals that we had ordered out. Mm. In the course of, I want to say, four weeks, we had ordered almost $1,200 worth of delivery food. What? And wow. it was because you have to meet this threshold. I mean, first of all, it's a family of four, but you have yeah. to order all of this and then you have to make sure all the tips and all the other service fees. I was like, this is insane. But thankfully, we got reimbursed for it. But L, L was like, I'll have the cordon <laughs> blue. Um, only if the chicken well, was bathed in olive oil. I have the champagne. Is it, has it been flowing from France this morning? Because if it hasn't, I don't want it in my mouth. You are listening to Decoding. 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 40. 40. Decoding for zero. Dot com. But I understood how much money these companies are making off of these fees. It's out of control. It's it's all of it's a money grab. Yeah, it's a money grab. When when tragedy, tragedy breeds money. You know what I'm saying? Every time there's a tragedy, somebody's making money. That's why, you know, they got to pay the driver. They got to pay the restaurant. They got to make something on it. So it's mm-hmm. like it, it, it adds like twenty percent to the order. Yeah, those fees stack yeah. up so quickly. Yeah, it's gone very back. quickly, very quickly. One of one you, of our favorite restaurants. There's uh, two entrees. It's like sixteen sixteen dollar entrees, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow, by the end of it all, it's sixty dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's about right. There's a Mexican restaurant that we eat here in Harlem. I I promise you, I don't know how it gets it, but easily the bill is at least a hundred dollars. Wow! And all I get is appetizers. So, let me get one taco. That's seventy five dollars. Yeah, right, right, right. And <laughs> oh, I don't want to call them out because I don't want to make people think that. I mean, it is expensive, but the food is really good. It is yeah. really good. Do you get free um, chips with that? You get free chips with that seventy. No, I usually okay. get a free um, shot of uh, tequila or a uh, margarita, though. Mm. I, Yo, I think I li- it feels for me. I, I lied to you. Not I was in Greece. I was in Mykonos. Left my I left my hotel. Hotel app. The average entree in the hotel was about let's say thirty dollars. 
So they said, there's this great place up the hill. It's like, it was like overlooking a cliff. We go over there, we go up the hill, sitting there. First of all, they take over an hour to come and ask us if we want to drink. So right now I'm already boiling because also because the white folks down the block, they got their drinks and they came after us. So I'm already on some, right. So I'm, and, and by the way, I'm saying this, this is a huge giant place. Maybe the place seats minimum, just what you can see. Maybe the place seats 800 people, 600 people. I mean, it's huge, but maybe that wasn't racism. And hold that's on, me hold on. saying that. Wait, wait, no, no, no. But there's 22 people there in oh. the daytime. Okay. You could literally see every patron was in eye shot. It was like because everybody had the prime real estate overlooking the overlooking the beach. So finally they come and they bring us a menu and we're looking at everything. And I'm like, yo, I want some tacos. The cop was like, oh, we got tacos. His tacos are phenomenal. So I'm looking down and they got like, you know, Mexican this and Mex- this, this, that. And they got lobster. So I start looking. I was like, oh, you know, on vacation. I look at the price of the tacos. No lie. Three tacos were $75. USD? Yeah. And a lobster, the lobster dish was $99, was like 109. So the guy comes back. So, and I said, I said, yo, I said, um, is this something special about these tacos? The tacos are amazing and they're giant. I was like, dude, they're $75. I said, the tacos are $25 a piece. He was like, yes. And he said it like, <laughs> absolutely. Like he said, he said it like, <laughs> He, he said it like, if you, have, if you have to ask, you shouldn't be here. Right. Yo. I looked at the wife and she up. was like, oh, no, we're going down to the place at the beach with the $8 tacos. Wow. Exactly $75. I would have said, uh, sir, I say this with all due respect, sir. Does that come with a rub and tug, sir? Because obviously I have to ejaculate while I'm eating these tacos for $75, sir. This is ridiculous. Wow. $75 tacos. Fuck out of here! I'd like seventy-five. Fuck that guy. Fuck that place too. They would. They treated us like shit. Oh my god! First of all, you guys are so patient. Look it up. Yeah, y'all be patient. Between that and your Home Depot story, I don't know how. How do you people have time for all that? I don't have. I don't have the patience. (laughs) I don't. My threshold for waiting depend. it, It well, it depends on how busy it is, right? But if I go in the spot and I can see across the restaurant. And I see motherfuckers buzzing around me and waiters going past, past you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seen within five minutes. The the next motherfucker that walks by me, I just grab them by the wrist. <laughs> who the fuck? It's like hey, who do I, I gotta say who the fuck. Here, I, water. I, I, my 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 scowl on my face mm-hmm. says, who the fuck is gonna take my order? You know what I'm saying? And oh. and, and at first I do I check with the wife, I'll go. Babe, you think um is it time? Like like <laughs> we've been kind of waiting for a minute. I know, Vinny. I know it, it's kind of crazy right now. I know, I know. Yeah, Wait, I think at, you should say did time. you learn that at the Alaric uh Campbell School of Etiquette, of dining <laughs> etiquette? <laughs> I don't nah, ask man. Your hands on people, but I will give you <laughs> the scowl. Yes, Al- Alaric ain't playing this. You're not walking to the po- to the hostess podium. Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't and get my find out who the manager is. Yeah, Alaric will just I, look I, around the table like, is Alaric gonna have to smack him? Tacos? Don't let me see somebody get served before me. Yo. Who came after me? No, 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 Yo. no, no. And 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 God forbid if they white, because mm-hmm. then it's a real problem. Oh, oh here, we here we go. Here we go. 
But then L would take it to the next level and call oh, the AG. Yeah. I'm going to He's Attorney General's call. office. <laughs> nah, this nigga's like. I don't care if we're residents of that state or not. We are getting some justice. <laughs> Hold up. L, L is like. The whole shit. L is like, no, I don't want to speak to the manager. I want to speak to the regional manager. No, this guy I does to nothing. To the president. <laughs> Cool. And I'm I'm gonna gonna the phone. Phone. I want to speak to the president of the United <laughs> States. Wake him up. Hold up. Wake nigga, him up. put me Wake on the phone with Mr. TGIF right now, nigga. <laughs> Where's Mr. Hands at? You know what I'm Would saying? you eat these wings? Would you eat these wings? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's going on in your life, El? Oh, man. Just came off an amazing weekend. Played uh, babysitter. Uh, not even babysitter. Just... Uncle, my wife and I and uh, her mom, my mother-in-law, traveled up to Connecticut to watch four kids, two dogs, in addition to our two kids. So that's six kids and two dogs. Wow. We were outnumbered, outmanned, outgunned, (laughs) outteared, outcried. Did they pay you for this? No. And they, they they got something coming. They didn't even have... Well, you know what? I did knock off their uh, tequila. Surprise. You're probably just hearing this now. Uh. <laughs> baby, baby, you drank all the fucking tequila? No, baby, I didn't drink that shit. Fucking L. <laughs> he got us again. <laughs> fucking L. But um, it was an amazing time, man. It was, um, it's crazy because, you know, as you watch kids get older and they start to just, the their the personality develops and, it's interesting, particularly these kids are very loving and affectionate kids, like all, all six of them. And at the same time, they are very sensitive kids. So if you hurt their feelings, it is like we got to we got to deal with that. So it was, it was sort of like, all right, who's crying now? You got to listen for it. All right, whose cry is that? OK, boom. And then one of us is like, you know, trying to deal with it. But they're also funny kids. So when I went to go pick up my nieces from school on Friday, I used their dad's car. He has a minivan. So when they get out, they see the car and they didn't make the connection. They just thought they didn't. I guess they didn't realize that they had already left. So they expect to see him in the driver's seat. He's not in the driver's seat, but their grandmother is in the in the passenger seat. So one of my nieces, they're twins, jumps in the car and the the other one gets in the car second and then stands up and looks at me as she's trying to survey what's happening in the car, in the, in the minivan. And she looks at me, she says, wait, do you know how to drive? <laughs> so I look at her and I'm like, what? Try to play you, son? <laughs> right. I'm like, I got the vehicle here, so I think I'm doing okay. So I just told her, little girl, sit down. And... um. <laughs> She just looked at me like, I'm just trying to make sure I'm safe. You understand? I hold on, hold on. She's like, nigga, you take Uber everywhere. <laughs> right. I know you take Uber. <laughs> I know you never type. see you drive. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, like we drove to your house. Speaking of which, uh, I'm actually looking at the Toyota 4Runner. I, I think I'm uh, uh, kind of sold on it. But that's, I digress. So, um, yeah, just hanging out with them. We had uh, a game night on Saturday night. That was a lot of fun. I uh, played Uno. These And again, I say to all these nice and beautiful things about these kids. They get very aggressive when it comes to cards. So I don't know if it's in their DNA, <laughs> but... All, all six of them against you. All six, oh, man. My youngest was banging the table. So I forgot what he was saying, but he was getting very animated. Um, my nephew kept forgetting to say Uno, so that just let the whole thing on fire. Oh. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun, man. And just driving back, 
We drove back last night, um, apparently uh, under a tornado watch, because I'm like, why is the wind so treacherous? And it turns out we were under tornado watch in the city. And by the time I hit the cross county, it was it was just raining buckets at that point. But we got home safely. Everybody's good. And um, Alaric's twisting the bottle. And it sounds like an old man talking. Um <laughs> My day a tornado would rip through steel. Yeah. Right out of your bed. That's what happened to my tornadoes for breakfast. Yeah. When I was a little kid, it took a tornado and killed my half brother Billy. Right out of the window into the tree. They found Billy, the twister got here. Oh, oh Shay. <laughs> Come back, <laughs> Billy. Went, it went dark quick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my weekend. Daddy, take uh-huh. care. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, and I'm sure you are, be sure to catch the guys for Decoding 40 After Dark every Monday night at 11 p.m. if you're on the East Coast and 8 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Streaming live on Facebook and YouTube, it's the same shit, just live. Decoding 40 After Dark. What's up with you, Vin? Oh, man. You know, I, I've been on a emotional roller coaster the last couple of weeks. Um you know, I, I guess my birthday and I, I, I would, uh, I had a session today with my therapist and, uh, we discussed it and she said to me, she goes, you know, your birthday, uh, for a lot of people is a depressing time. And I never really put it together. She says, you know, especially when you get to our age, cause you're like, what have you done in the last 365 days that is really going to do anything to improve your life or move your life forward because here we are at 47 or I'm at 47 and I'm thinking like, fuck man, I'm 47. You know what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was crazy and we had a great session and, uh, just been, I've been kind of in a blah area, you know, work is work, work is fuck work, you know, fuck them niggas, but <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to take that shit out either. Fuck them. Niggas. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I do what I got. I got to do what the fuck I got to do. It's, it is what it is, right? I go to work, you know, punch the clock. You know, it is what it is. You do the job. Yes. Yes. I do my job. Yes. <laughs> Town is a job. You know, it's funny because L, L's, actually, L's actually seen me twice at kind of at work. Nigga, I, nigga looking official and shit. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> Yo, this dude came across the street like Mr. Subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had all my shit on, all my regalia. You know, I'm like, he got all types of microphones and cords hanging from everywhere. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Did Every he have time his- I'm with you, Officer Train Guy. Excuse me, sir. What are you doing on that train? Are you not wearing a mask, sir? Sir, can you please step out of the train, please? Will I give you a mask? You're not wearing a mask, sir. Sir, are you not wearing a mask? Wait, do you carry a mask? Every- nah, fuck that. Oh, oh. I don't care about people like that. Every every time I'm around Vinny, when he's in his uniform, I have contact with the authorities. 
So I don't <laughs> never want to be with Vinny when, when he's in uniform. He just attracts police. So uh, I'll wait till you go change, nigga. And then I'll pay that with when you done. Yeah, but you know what? That uniform is has got me out of trouble quite a few times. Not you know, real talk. You know, the ID and everything else, because they see, oh, you work for transit, oh, we'll give you a break. But uh but nah, I just um I, <laughs> like you only moving a key. Like what <laughs> come on. Papa, don't look at that white powder right there. It's not on my nose. That's a powder donut. Oh, that's right. not, that's I, not I don't want to I don't want to step on your time, but that just did remind me of the uh the dude from the MTA that was uh moving the guns from oh that's down south. Yeah, that clown. Jeez. You know, but a clown. But hey, you know, I guess the money wasn't enough. Nah, yes. son, I be on Spain, son, and I sell guns, nigga, on the weekends. <laughs> nigga, I, I do, I do, I work for transit. Yeah, people be Put on Saturdays and Sunday, nigga. You call New Jack me City too, Gun yeah. Boogie. <laughs> gun, boogie. gun Boogie. But other than that, man, I'm just, you know, ev- I think every year you get older, the more you start to reflect. And uh, I think his name is Dion Cole, the one that's uh, a comedian. He's also on um, Black Blackish. Yes, right. Dion Cole. Okay, his name is Dion Cole. And he, he has a comedy special and he makes, he talks about how many summers do we really have left? By the way, if anyone has not watched that, that was a great comedy special. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, just so you know, he has one on YouTube now that's free. He, he was testing out all this material to come up with that special. Mm. And he released a video of the test in all these different comedy clubs. Wow. It's hilarious. I got to check that. Wow. Yeah. You know, it really, you know, it, it's how many summers we got left. And, uh, you know, I'm 47. And, I, and then I, and I kind of had a, a kind of crazy dream this morning too. I, I woke up and in the dream, I saw the date two, two, 2039. Like it was a date on something. And I was like, why the fuck would I see that date? Why, why that date? You know what I mean? I'm like, and that's that I'd be 67 in that year. I'm like, is that, is that, is that my date? You know what I'm saying? I was bugging out this morning. I was like, why the fuck did that date just kind of pop up in the middle of the dream? And it was kind of like on a, it was on this glass or on this paper or some sort of digital type of thing. And I was bugging the fuck out. Well, and you didn't play out. your numbers. You're right. Look, I play two seven five one because I saw an That's eagle. That's the first thing I thought of. I saw an eagle eating a bear in my you dream. Dream a number, ain't played a number. Nah, mm, I didn't play mm, that. I played. I play that shit tomorrow. These new niggas. Too late. I'm playing it. <laughs> Let me get two cent on um. But when you when you add up the numbers um for numerology, so you add all the numbers up, it adds up to eighteen, and one plus eight is nine. Nine is the end is at the end in in, in uh numerology and in, in religions and things of that nature. So I hope that ain't my year, son, because 67, that's kind of young for me to go out. You know I mean, what I'm saying? It, it didn't say end of your life, it just end of something, a chapter, something you've been struggling with. Nah, nigga, you know how I am. I'm a, I'm a hypochondriac. I mean, I'm a hypochondriac. Paranoid too, motherfucker. You know. So I'm thinking, that's it, son. I'm dying on February 2nd. <laughs> so on February 1st, nigga, I'm doing eight keys <laughs> of cocaine. I'm going to have 50 hookers in the room drinking champagne and that, popping. And that's how you die. And that's <laughs> and how I no, die. And then it's going to be the end. <laughs> no, that's just when your Netflix subscription ended. You'll <laughs> be like, what? And Rick is going to videotape the whole thing from the next room. He's going to be in the next room filming it. What do you mean? I'm going to live tomorrow? Yes, man. Yes. So <laughs> you misinterpreted the dream. But we're going to take you to jail for all that cocaine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and this is the start of your life. In your new chapter. 
Oh man. Congratulations. Um, congratulations. You won. But um yeah, so what's going on with so, you, Matt? I had a very interesting experience when I went to vote, and I have some great news that I want to announce. I went to vote. I vote in a very red, 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 red county in a very blue, blue state in New York. So I always like going to vote in person, never early. I want them to see me come in there. I want them to see me voting, and I want them to know <laughs> that there is a black population out here. Did you wear blue? Is, no, actually, I wore the same hoodie I have on now. I wore the blue. Oh. My nice. MAGA colored co- colored hoodie. So you went as a MAGA. Got it. I, I so I he's go. So of, I, up. he's one of us. Don't worry. The protest that. is weak sauce unless you went in here talking about I'm a Democrat. I'm voting Democrat, and that's all it is. <laughs> you didn't go in there all black. You didn't with, do it. With his fist in the air. <laughs> oh go my god. Usually, usually I go in. The, I usually go. I, I usually go in there a little blacker, than, but I was pandemic, so gotta forgive me. So <laughs> a little whiter. Yeah, yeah, I went in a lot of like, yo, I'm just getting, trying to get this vote in with my mask. Up in the so I walk in there. Fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. Fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> and that's and how you need to pull off. Hold up. About to get him, about to get my vote on, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you should have walked in. <laughs> you look at me. What you looking at, white person? You never seen a black man vote before? They, they, I may, I may get kicked out of the whole county for that. So anyway, <laughs> nah, the town is so small that we vote in a firehouse. Like literally, you vote, you walk past the fire trucks and you go in this little area inside the firehouse and you vote. So normally I go in and I'm, I'm usually with my mom. My mom's not well. My mom's in the hospital, so she didn't go with me. So we got her provisional ballot. I mean, we got her uh, absentee ballot and all that. So, but anyway, so we come in and. Everyone's like, oh, hello. Hi. Can I get you to sign up? And they're very pleasant. And I was like, OK, this is cool. And usually, usually they're pretty cool. But usually I'm with my mom. This time I was by myself. So I think usually when I'm with my mom, who's a little older, they treat it a little different. So I'm by myself and they were like, oh, hello. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, boom, <laughs> sign it. Hold on. Yeah. So I still like that. I signed the iPad. I gave him my address. She was like, no, that's wrong. And, and our address changed for for a couple of reasons. So I gave her the right address, which was off like one number. So I give her the right address. She goes, oh, sure, sign. So I sign. She goes, go over there and get your ballot and then go over there, vote. And if you have any questions, let me know. I was like, oh, thank you, white people. It's great. It's fantastic. Hey, Thomas, make sure that you so, take his ballot. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I'm walking, <laughs> as I'm walking to go get my ballot, there's an older woman who needed help because she was she was a little feeble coming over to sign because she was just coming in. And it was a woman holding her arm, scowling at me. Mm. And where I had to walk to, they were walking in front of me. So now, now mind you, I have a mask on, so you can't see me smiling because I'm like, I don't want y'all to call police. I'm just here to vote. Ain't no one no smoke. So I'm just like, so I'm, so I'm smiling. And I'm like, hello, how are you? And she looked at me like, what the fuck, Dude, why are you here? fucking talk to me. Why <laughs> So I'm just trying. So I'm like, I was like, oh, that was the rudest shit ever. But I'm thinking this is the woman's this is the woman's like assistant, like helper. Right. Or like her nurse's aide or some shit. Like she had a caretaker. white. Was she white? She was white and she was way older. And she's scowling Wait, so this at me. Is two and I, old women. Two this old, is two white, old women. white women. Oh, OK. Oh. 
So I'm trying to get to the ballot. So I was and she was and she looked at me and scowled at me the whole way she was walking by. And I said hello to her and she didn't speak. And she turned away and she walked with the woman and took over. I was like, whatever. That is also, though, the same polling place that last time I voted and I saw a, a white dude with a ponytail. I was like and, he, and we were sitting waiting in line and he was working the poll. And I was like, exciting time to vote. And he looked at me. And he was like, no. This is the most important election ever. It's 2016. And that's when I got scared and I, I figured Donald Trump was going to win. Anyway, so I go get my ballot. Woman gives me my ballot. I go on the side and I'm talking that crazy shit. I was like, I don't care about this chick. I'm here to get my vote on. And then I'm putting my little circle in my little Biden boxes and blue all the way down. And, and I'm looking at the candidates, making sure my ballot is perfect. So I walk over and the guy goes, hello, sir. And he comes over and he's like, come on, let me show you what to do. And put my ballot through it, scans, scantrons my ballot. And I'm like, cool. As I'm walking out, the woman who was all me mugging me walks over and says, oh, thank you. Thank you for voting. She's a fucking poll worker. What the and she comes over and she's like, the woman that was scowling, she was like, oh, thank you for voting. Thank you for coming out. And I was like, either she heard me talking greasy or she realized she was being a total shit when I came in. But she did not look pleased. And maybe she checked herself. She caught herself or somebody said something to her. But it was a weird experience. And I didn't know, just like what Rick was saying, I didn't know to chalk it up to racism or if the woman was just in a bad space. If she didn't hear me, you know I don't know what. You know, your voters, was, you know your voters at the bottom of the bay, right? No, 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 no. Because they scanned. <laughs> no, no, they scanned it in and I got my receipt. I got my oh, receipt okay. and all of that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I wait. the machine. I, I know. I know. Yeah, right. they, they the, whole, the, whole, the whole fucking machine is gone. So <laughs> right, right, right. It, if, if it's any consolation, the county where I vote, they I vote in Suffolk County. The county goes red. Mm-hmm. That's a one one of the few parts of New York that goes red. In, 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 Nassau in, and, and both. No, Nassau goes blue. Nassau goes blue. Suffolk mm-hmm. went red. Not really. Nassau does go red a lot. Uh, you know, I remember living out there. Red or blue, they're, they're racist. <laughs> so, now, the red races or blue races? Yeah, the Democrats and Republicans out there, they're racist. Yes. They just say it a different way. Anyway, so so that was my weird poll experience. I didn't know to chalk it up to racism or not, but, you know. Let's just call it racism. Fuck it. Let's just call it racism. <laughs> It's, it's safer. It's safer. It's safer for us to believe uh, it's racism. Racism. We don't have to ourselves from that. But I'm going to go out there a little yeah. bit more militant. Get you a black beret, black uh, you hoodie. You just want me to go out there with uh, Professor Griff and vote. You just exactly. want me to bring him with me. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> with a key. <laughs> Should have walked in there. Voting. Glorious. You need your own X1Ws to escort you to the voting booth. Don't exactly. touch me, Troglodyte. I know where I want to vote. <laughs> your Excuse devil me, eyes are looking at me and I can smell the pork. Where's your my ballot? And it sickitates me to smell <laughs> your pork breath. <laughs> Lord have mercy. All these troglodytes in here. <laughs> and what you do you do? Raw Fire meat before fight? we taught you. <laughs> Firefighting troglodytes. Just a, just a weird experience. Um, and it's also tying into, I'm very excited because I've kind of been keeping the lid on it. I'm very excited to announce that I am going to have a baby. I knew you were pregnant. I knew you were pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> bear. He tried to Secret bear. You wearing all these big sweaters. Bear, I know you're pregnant. Carrying bags you know like uh, 
Claire Huxtable. <laughs> you're, you're bare with child. So, so with child. Congratulations, so I was, bro. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So I, Congrats, I was, man. I was. Thank you, guys. I, I, I knew. I, I thought it was part of the conversation. I really wanted to be engaged and wanted to be free when I spoke about it today. So uh, we, we were just keeping it low, and we just didn't want to blow it up on a podcast. Um, so the first quarter of uh, 2021, I should be having this dude said the first uh, a little me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are treating It'll pregnancy little... like it is quarterly reports. Yeah. Well, well. The stock report, you know, that is the day of the <laughs> orange juice. Maybe drop in the first quarter. Is, it, is that the same day as the orange juice report? The Duke's get the fuck up report? Is that what's going on? Just make sure the TPS report is attached. <laughs> I'm going to need you to work on these TPS reports. Oranges is up 20% and uh, Mac dropped the seed. Mac dropped the seed. Let's, let's file that. Let's file that. Yeah, That's so, amazing. I, so I got to exciting times for you. Thank, thank you guys for keeping the secret. I appreciate it. Um, um, thank you to everybody who reached out to me. I'm excited about it. And uh, that's it. So let's have a fatherhood conversation. Yes, sir. Come follow us over at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Decoding40. Be social. Peace. All right. So now that everybody knows that uh, that that I'm going to be a father, all everybody on here now is a, either a father or will be shortly. Oh, you're um, a father I, right now. I'm a father right now? Yes, you are. <laughs> yes. I'm not but a father to be. But there are stages to it because it's it's going to get turned up a notch. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's not levels to this, no I'm doubt. Sure. But you are a father sure. right now. Yeah. yeah. Am I? I'm excited. I'm excited Just, about it. The weird thing come out, you know, destroy your life. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, look, you know, you can't wait to have your own little dream killer. You know, I'm talking about it's a dream killer. You know, they just kill your dreams. Nah, I'm fucking. I'm very no, You know, Vin is the one who really kind of brought this topic up. So, Vin, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna turn it over to you, and and really start the conversation around, you know, fatherhood versus manhood, and what that means to you and what you've been experiencing. Cause I think you kind of sparked the conversation for all of us. And just so everybody knows this whole episode is going to be about fatherhood and, and how we look at it from our different perspectives. Cause we all are in different stages of that. Um, so that's what the episode is about. And then I'll turn it over to you, sir. Well, you know, part, part of um, how I was feeling this week had to do with my perception of who I am as a father. Right. So I, I'm a provider, right? I'm not a very nurturing father, uh, I don't think. Nurturing in the sense of I'm a provider. I go out there. I make the money. I make sure that they have and they eat and they have everything they need. But I'm kind of distant. I don't know why that is. And again, I, I, I'll probably spend another two years with my therapist trying to unpack that shit. But I was feeling bad about it and and you know second guessing myself. So yesterday I sat and spent, you know, the better part of the afternoon and evening with my daughter and connecting with her, this 13-year-old child of mine, and learned some things and kind of let go whatever my perception is, I guess, of what I'm supposed to be doing and just do it. It was emotional because she started talking about things and it brought me back to when I was a child and my mother and I would talk to my mother about everything and say things that probably I shouldn't have said to my mother. But because she was my best friend, person I trusted more than anything else, I knew that she's not going to hurt me. And, you know, again, I I had a moment like that yesterday with my daughter. And 
it was just emotional for me. You know, um, we had a meeting yesterday and we talked about it and it got, it got, I kind of choked me up a lot, you know, because what the conversation she brought up to me was her being a young woman, man, and just having to go through bullshit and, and, and not, you know, me not understanding that and being a man and and just really listening to her and, and getting inside her head and, and hearing what she had to say. It just got to me, man. You know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult, man. It's difficult being a father. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, we're we're not allowed to get emotional, but we have all these emotions. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to eat shit all day, right? And not feel any way about it because we saw our fathers or didn't see our fathers. Or our fathers were the type of fathers that they didn't show no love like that. And, you know, I knew that my father loved me, but, you know, for a large, large portion of my younger life, he wasn't around like that. So, it's, that's difficult to deal with, too. And where do you learn to be a father from? I want you to recognize yourself as a good father, because you said that you you are not the hands on emotional dad. But then this conversation that you had with your youngest, you're having it. Our parents weren't having that conversation. <laughs> you know, that's right. You are a, you. You are the next step. Absolutely. Because you're even open to having that conversation. Right. You're open to saying, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing? That's huge. That's huge because all they want to do is is be recognized for where they're yeah, at. Yeah, I, I, I have to do that more, though, you know, and I have to I have to make that the norm for me as opposed to every once in a while. And I have to but, keep that connection open, you know, so. OK, I don't I don't want you to discount more. what Rick just said, though, because. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Because you even taking the steps to do that is a huge recognition. And acknowledge that it's a thing and it's something that you can get better at instead right. of just sitting in the hole of I'm perfect. I'm a perfect dad. Everything's right. all good. You're like, hey, this is an area I can improve it. Exactly. You're not you're not you're not, you're not simply saying I'm a provider. That's all there is to this. And oh, well. whatever you're going to do is on you. Right. I, I'll, I'll bring I'll, I'll bring home the bacon. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I, that's, that was a previous generation. And sometimes right. I feel like that. And, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like that. There's a part of me sometimes that, you know, we we're still human beings. You know, we're, we're, you're a human being. You're, you're 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 a man. You know, you're living your life and you're also a father. Like there's so many different facets of, of every human being out there. And when you're a man and you have a, you have kids, there's a, you have different facets, in, you know, that make up who you are. And sometimes you don't want to fucking be bothered. And sometimes you don't care. And, and, and I don't like I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm this mean person. But sometimes I think we get so we sometimes we can get lost in the whole parenting thing. And then what happens is we try to we we kind of beat ourselves up about it if we, if if how dare we take our a second to breathe you know I know sometimes I take a lot of seconds sometimes I, I just need a moment man you know and it's and it's hard I I think it's hard being a man and then being a father is is a it's, it's leaps and bounds you know what I'm saying because being an individual out here doing what you do is one thing but when you got a responsibility for another child man or another for another human being mm-hmm. it's a lot. You know, that changes, um, that changes everything. When you are now responsible for the life and survival of another human being, it puts you in a whole different mind space. Right. You know, I you know, my thing was here, I'm 47 years old. Right. I just celebrated my 47th birthday and I became a father at 23. 
like 22, 23, because she was born and then I turned 23. So, you know, that shit right there, who the fuck is ready for that? You know what I'm saying? Because it just kind of happened and it was like, oh, right, you know, fast forward, nigga, you need to get it together. Some, you got you to gotta do something to get mm-hmm. something in, in, you know, you got, you're responsible now. And that was a different situation because I wasn't with the mother. So then you had, I went from being a quote unquote weekend father to being a full-time father and having my child in the house and we living and we're married and everything else. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not the same. It's not, it's, it's very different from being a weekend father to being a full-time father because you're, when you come home, they're there like, I, right, it's your shift. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. You know what I mean? Let me download on you. And, you know, I just, I'm just trying to learn, man. And honestly, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I I can be emotionally unavailable uh, sometimes, but I'm also dealing with living in 2020 in all that's going on right now, working, trying to live and survive. And we're processing so much shit right now that we're, we're all suffering from a form of PTSD. So we're just trying to fucking make it through. And then you got to be a father and you got to do all of that. So sometimes, you know, you check out. I know I check out in the sense of I just I, I can't do it right now. I'm, I'm dealing with so much shit. You, you remind me because I, I have this internal dialogue often and I always wonder. You mentioned PTSD, you know, what many people are dealing with right now. I haven't unpacked the PTSD from the 70s and the 80s, let alone what I've endured in the 90s and the 2000s. So all of this is, and there's, there's no manual to this. There's no manual to being a father or being a parent or being a, a, a husband. It is a work in progress. And you always have to be, I think, in order to sort of evolve, be aware of your capacity to expand, right? So I was talking to my youngest son today, and he has a tendency to really resist doing any type of schoolwork. But once he does it, it's excellent work, but it's it's that we have to jump this hurdle every time that I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I need a break. Like I always say, he, he needs to be the head of a union because this dude is always talking about I need a break. <laughs> like, where's my break? I, 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 I want a hot pocket <laughs> and a Capri Sun as a part of my 15 minute break. Yo, this dude will work 30 minutes and be like, all right, I work 30 minutes. I need a break now. And we'll we'll literally look like he's about to strike if we don't allow him to have a 15 minute break. But I digress. But all of this is because we need to figure out how do we improve upon the lives of our kids? How do we take what happened to us and how do we give them space to be even freer? And it's all about legacy. And for me, the legacy that I really want to give my kids is love and self-confidence. And the ability to share it and ability to accept it and to be able to live as full as possible, because I didn't have that. I didn't I didn't have a, a, a great relationship with my father. I had a, a, a OK relationship with my mother. So and the, the person who showed me love was my grandmother. Like she showed me what unconditional love looks like. So I'm trying to take all of that, all of those touch points 
and trying to infuse them into every time I can with my kids. And you're right. Sometimes you just feel so overwhelmed with what's going on in your life. But that doesn't mean you get stuck there. That means you recognize I, I wasn't the best I could have been in that I, I best I could have been in that moment. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're having this discussion with yourself shows that you are trying to do the work. And that's what makes you a great father. Because, right. you know, my wife and I went through this thing where we were separated and I would have to I became the weekend dad. Like mm-hmm. my kids only knew me every day, every morning, every night I was there. And then it shifted. Mm-hmm. And for me, I remember telling someone that the toughest part is leaving them and disconnecting because there are moments when and you don't realize it till you, you're in a situation like this. But you miss the way your kids feel when they touch you or when you touch them. You miss the way your kids smell and all you're dealing with all of this. And I understand and I'm not begrudging any father that has to make tough decisions. What I'm saying for me, that was too tough. That was the cross I could not bear. So I had to figure out how do I reconcile what's going on with my wife and and, and me and how do we overcome that? And thankfully we were able to do that. And while I'm afraid that that did cause some damage to my son and cause them some trauma, I am aware of it to help them try to work through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like as as dads, and you want to and you want to work through it, and you're not like shut the fuck up. What's wrong? No, with no, you? no. I'm not afraid. Of, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I tell my, I try to tell my kids. And my wife does a great job of reminding me of connecting their pain to my pain, so they know that they're not alone. This is not something that is unique to them, and that dad also has has struggles and and uh, things that I have to work out because that's the part of that's the humanity of it. Mm-hmm. And if you can show your kids that you are a human being and you're just trying to help them navigate this world yeah. as much as you're trying to navigate it for yourself, I think that, that starts to dis- dispel a lot of the mystery about living and then also gives them a framework of how to embrace their own lives. And I wanted to say one other thing. You said um, you told your daughter that there was sometimes when you just don't care. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that on my drive back to the city, you might not be aware of how much of a gift that is for her. Because when she goes into relationships, she's now expecting the person that she is connected with to articulate their feelings in a way that lets her know where they are. Because mm-hmm. if you, as the as, your, as her father, can tell her that I just don't have the capacity right now to give you what you need, it's not saying that she's not enough. It's just saying you need some time to recharge. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we need to over communicate that with, with, with people that we love. But what, what happens is we, we want to close off and isolate ourselves, but that's not the way we, we need to, if we, if we're going to do that, we need to then come back and say, you know what? I needed some time. I needed a moment. And she, that is a blessing to her. So I don't want you to look at that as something that is hurting her. Yeah, as long as you can meet, as long as you communicate, you're giving her the tools to be able to process other people's feelings, to be able to empathize, empathize and to sympathize with the way other people feel. And then in turn, she knows that she can be allowed the same space with a partner or a loved one to be able to say, I need this. As or opposed to, to have that space. Right. Right. Or as opposed to you supposed to love me unconditionally because I'm here. Right. 
Well, you know, I, I think yesterday's conversation that we had yesterday was a breakthrough in a lot of ways. Um, I'm at the point right now where I'm going to ride this situation and understand that I have to be who I am with her and not be anything else other than who I am. Mm-hmm. And who I am, for the most part, is, you know, kind of a funny clown, you know, not a clown, but funny as in comedy funny and I'm comedic and I am who I am and I say slick shit and I have a bad filthy mouth and that's who I am and that's Vincent so you are I I am your father and I demand a certain respect from you but at the same time I'm gonna let you know who the fuck I am and that's who I am and I'm gonna say some shit sometimes you may not like and you can say some shit to me that I won't like as long as it's not disrespectful. If you say it in a way that it's not disrespectful, you're not cursing at me or calling me out of my name because I'm not going to do that to you. Mm-hmm. But I'm just uh, yesterday because like we were just having conversations and then like I was just speaking my mind and talking to her as if she was an adult or one of you guys. Because if I can have that relationship with my friends, why can't I have that with my daughter? And of right. course, there's boundaries. There's different boundaries with mm-hmm. your child, you know, of course. But that's where I, I got to come from. I, 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 I got caught up in this perception of what a father is. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have this storyboard image of what dad is supposed to be like because we've watched these, uh, you know, shows our entire life or we've seen examples of that. And that's not always we, we, I mean, we're all individuals and we have to be who we are. And they love us regardless. We're not, I mean, we, I'm not beating my kid. I don't, you know, there's no abuse going on. Of course not. You know what I'm saying? So my child lives a good life. She's not starving. She's not hit. She's a great life. Hmm. Freedom to do what she wants to do for the most part. So I just have to be who I am. I, and and I, I got I to gotta get away from this perception of what I'm supposed to be like and just be who the fuck I am. I, the, the reason why this conversation is so important is because I'm at a different stage with my kids and I get to learn from both of you guys hmm. about what to expect next. Cause I'm at the, I'm at the stage where I'm building foundations of how they're going to feel about themselves when they're six and when they're 12 and when they're 22. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm listening to you and I'm like, I need to give them that space now. So then I don't have to, I don't have to correct it later. I don't have to expand it later. So I, 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 I applaud you guys for, for opening up and, and for sharing that. I remember one of the things that the principal of my daughter's school said to me that convinced me that this is the place that she needs to be is that she said that if you want your child to have a voice in the world, you have to give them a voice at home. Mm. You have to hear what they're saying and make it a priority, make it important. Because our era, you know, kids were meant to be seen, not heard. Like mm-hmm. you didn't really get it. You didn't get input. You didn't get an, an opinion on how things were going to go. You cried. You either got you either got the treat or you got slapped up, whichever one. Um, but you didn't really get to exercise an opinion on how things were going to to proceed. So I think that that is very important to a child's development. And 
we're sort of dealing with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So like the two-year-old is now just starting to do the terrible twos and starting to trying to assert his own individuality. And we, we encourage that, but you know, you, you have to stop it where it, it becomes outside manners or outside of, of, of being polite. Mm-hmm. Now you're being an asshole, kid. You got to stop. <laughs> yeah. you're being an asshole, we got to we got to <laughs> rein that in. Rein the asshole in. Yeah, um, and, and that's, and that's the same thing with my daughter. It's like she tests she tests my wife in ways that she does not test me, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. Mm. And and I and I know that kids that's that's their whole thing. They're like they're little scientists. They're seeing mm-hmm. how far can this thing go before it blows up, mm-hmm. and they don't test me in the ways that they they test my wife but you have to respect their individual relationships and that's what i that's what i learned to do with my Absolutely. daughter i can't now when mom and dad make a decision this is the fucking decision yeah. there is no you can't come to me and ask me because like my you know my daughter drives that shit all the time like i already know she already had a conversation with my wife and i and that not that i know it know it i just know because of the way she's coming at me. So dad, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute. This sounds like some shit that she ran by her moms. Mm. Right. Her moms either said, my wife either said, fuck that, I'm not doing it, or no, or we'll talk about it another time. And now she wants to get a feeler out of me. So what do you think? And the first thing I'm saying, have you spoken to your mother about this? <laughs> and if that's a yes or no, depending on the answer, I can't give you an answer. Because I got to talk to your mom about this because mm-hmm. this sounds like this is not a this is not. Oh, can I go to the store? This sounds like some shit that is serious. Right. So we have to get a decision made. Uh, and I don't and I don't want you trying to play me against your moms and vice versa, because they learn at a very young age. Yeah. But in the same token, in your situation, it can it can get you mad. But at the same time, you got to respect her relationship with her mom. And and they they don't fuck with you because you dad and your voice is deeper and you don't play that shit. You know, that's mom. Mom is the mom is in their show. It's going to be OK. So they know they can go a little further with mom. But with you, it's like, yo, what I say? You know, we still have that sternness in our voice. We're not you know, we're not tyrants. But at the same time, we still have a little bit of that 70s, 80s type of parenting where you have boundaries. As oh, a for person. sure. I'm, I'm going to tell your father is is a line that is definitely riddled yeah. with all types of heat so yes. yeah yeah it, 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 it still line. carries weight it still carries weight you are now listening to decoding 40 Mac, um, as you are growing into your fatherhood, what are yes. your expectations of being a dad, particularly in the in the formative years of newborn to toddler? You know, I do want I want to speak to something that Vinny said that that I found really interesting. Vinny said he sees himself as a provider, and I think we all do. I think I do to a certain extent. But my father was not the provider. My mother was the provider. And I find it so fascinating at how I look at it because my father gave me mental and spiritual food. Not that my mother didn't. It's just my father was always present to me and what was going on with me in a different way than my mother was. It was just different. My father was always present to 
what did I need as a man to develop as a person? My goal right now is just to put provision first, but also I think that for me it's also to try to be present to, I, I feel like the first five years of a child's life is so definitive to who they are as a person. So I want to instill kindness and reason and well-being and comfort and joy into my child's life because I'm like that. These are, these are, these are principles that get me out of bed in the morning when I'm having a bad day is that it's going to be okay. Everything's good. And I want to live in that space. So I really want my my child to experience that in whatever form that looks like for them, you know, and and I'm and I'm I'm excited about trying to draw out, draw those lines and those boundaries. And, and but also I want to learn as much as possible a about being a father, but but be about who this new life in the world is. I want to be mm. present to who they are and I want her I, it's not that I don't want to guide it, but I want her to make a lot of choices in terms of who she wants to be and and in the world. And how can I support that instead of trying to mold it and define it too tough? Because I think people are I think I think a lot of parents too much. And, and it's my opinion. I, I have no experience in this whatsoever. <laughs> but I think disclaimer. But I think a lot of parents try to define they try to put a thumbprint and they try to define who their child should be based on who they were or or what they were and i and what i feel is is one of the good things that i think my parents did was good bad or ugly they let me make a lot of choices about who i wanted to be and how i wanted to show up in the world now when i see parents and this is debatable cuz i cuz i was just having some of these conversations when i hear parents saying well my child is 3 years old and they're choosing a choosing a gender at 3 I don't know if that's too early. Like, like, I'm not sure. I don't know if that's too early. But at the same time, I haven't experienced fatherhood to tell you if what they're seeing. So I have I have no clue. But at the same time, you know, if if my child is like, I hate piano, I'm not going to make you go to piano lessons. Right. That's just I just like, what do you what do you what are your interests and in how do we foster those and whatever? So for me, I think zero to five is kindness, joy, um, it, intellect, and, you know, th- things that I think that are useful and in, in the development of a personality and then me really understanding who you are as, as, as a person. Mm. Holla back in two years. Mean, <laughs> 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 Decoding 40, 24 months. Yeah. Oh. Listen, I think the best thing you can do for your, for your child is all of the things that you've learned in your 47 years. Mm. Oh. You have to give them those lessons. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to agree with them. They don't have to take them in. But here's a simple thing that I do with my with my, my kids. Saturday and Sunday mornings, we get up before my wife and we go downstairs to the kitchen and we make breakfast. We don't watch TV. We Simply or or dur- even during the week, we'll listen to some NPR. jazz station on 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 Spotify. It just says "Good Morning Jazz," mm. right? Now my daughter requests jazz music when she's eating dinner. So she's like, "No, I'd like to listen to jazz." She doesn't really know what jazz is, mm-hmm. right? But it it is a feeling. It's it's this. 
we're all together and we're doing this thing together. And that's what she associates it with, right? So I somehow have imparted that thing onto my daughter. I can't give her the whole hip hop experience yet. There's too many curse words, and she's already saying <laughs> "fucky, fucky, <laughs> fucky, fucky, fucky." <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't handle if she mixes that with other curse words right now. But you know, we'll we'll listen to some 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 music that wasn't in, that inspired hip hop, or we'll listen to some instrumentals, or we'll listen to some clean versions, but. Those are all like little lessons you're dropping on them. All those little jewels, like all of those things you've learned that are good about life. Yep. All those things that are good about life. You want to give them that. I really love what you just said, because one of the things that my mother has given me is an appreciation for music. And I it's like it's weird because I I always when I'm having like a weird space, I listen to Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway. Hmm. And it's it just it calms me it relaxes me all of that old r&b just makes me feel safe and protected and that's why i i love what you said because it's those touch points that she's she's not going to know why jazz relaxes her in in 20 30 years she just i mean she may remember that you you played it but it's it's the fact that it connects it grounds her Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, as parents, Reddit. what we can offer. It's yeah, it's it's DNA. It, it, like it's, you, yeah, it's those Im, it's those goes, imprints, yeah. it's those it's those touch points that we are offering. There's two things I wanted to mention. Uh, one, if you haven't watched David Letterman's interview with Dave Chappelle, I totally encourage you to do so. He talks about this uh, conversation that he has with his dad at some point. Was dad is saying, "I can't make the decisions for you, but what I can do is sort of create." And what I I'm paraphrasing, and this is how I frame it. I create the guardrails for you mm-hmm. and you're willing to paint within or do whatever you can, because I'm going to create a safe space for you as much as I can. But I need you to learn responsibility for your decisions and how they affect you. And you get to learn who you are as a human being. And the beauty is I get to learn as a parent who you are as a human being. And mm-hmm. then we get to learn from each other. And that's what I was saying to Vin the other day is that parent parenting is if I think in my estimation, if you do it right, is allowing your child to teach you how to be the parent that they need. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm aspiring to be. Yeah. So the other thing a, you have one more ahead. one more job, one more responsibility, because you have to be the contradiction to everything that this world is telling them. Facts. This world is telling them that they are not. Equal, they are not enough. This world is telling them that they they have to be something other than what they are, Mm. and you have to completely combat that. They also are trying to tell influence them on morals and values that are not yours, Mm. and you have to completely combat that. Like, you have to give them that at home, you have to tell them, regardless of what you see on the keeping up with the Kardashians. That's not how we live. And actually, that falls into what the second thing I was going to say was uh, Diana Ross is in an interview and she says with all the things that goes on, what's going on in her life. When she was home, she was with her kids. That was their time. It was uninterrupted. It was them connecting with one another. And you have they need that as much as you need that. 
And that was one of the things that I kind of learned over the weekend is that this family and these institutions of love, they have to be nurtured. And we all needed to be thriving individuals. And it's and I, I, Vin, I hear you. And even as much as we say we need that space, everybody needs space at times. Mm-hmm. But we all have to get back to the well that replenishes us. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I think what you do in terms of the internal conversation and then you still having these uh, external conversations with your daughter are so powerful and so meaningful. Yeah, man. Like, you know, it's it's funny because. I I also realized that she's 13 years old and we have to understand that these are crucial age. It's a crucial age for her um, in her development. And I keep telling her like, yo, you're only 13, but her brain is, she already thinks like a 30 year old, mm. you know, this is a child that will go on Zillow and look at apartments. Because she, <laughs> she ready to move apartment. out. She, we, she, she brought up, well, she's telling me, asked me the day, what is um, emancipation? <laughs> like, what if oh I got emancipated God. at 16? I'm like, why the fuck would you want to do that? Like, who, why would move you do that? So, so she goes, well, oh, so she didn't realize it had like kind of a negative connotation to it. I'm like, yeah, that's like for fucking parents who don't, who are assholes. <laughs> like, shit. yeah. Like, I, am, 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 I, am I the emancipation dad? Like, I don't think I'm that bad, right? So, you um, Britney Spears father. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you in my life. Get out of here. All right? I'm going to be rich someday, and I don't need you grubbing off my money, you old fuck. <laughs> Mr. But, um, Spears. You fucking fuck ya. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, to sidebar, we all have to be nice enough to our children so when we're old, they don't fucking kick us and throw us in a nursing home. Yeah, um, for real. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, too early. Because, again, it gets to the point where you can't handle the weight of your parent and you have to, you do have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something you have to do. It's a hard decision, especially if they're ill, but like something happens at 56 and you got a crib, like nigga, like yeah. kicking me out. You're not letting me live with you. I'm I'm not that old yet. Like I'm still <laughs> get a job. Oh, man. <laughs> Yo, I wanted to ask Mac, what is your biggest fear in becoming a dad, a dad, dad, mm-hmm. like once your baby is here? Not being able to preserve the union that created it, which is one. Two is um, not being able to preserve the amazing legacy that was created by my parents and grandparents, um, because what I grew up with was really special. And I know everybody feels that way. And and I think they should. Um, But I had a very special I had a I had a very special upbringing and I and I and I'm aware of it. Like, it's not just like. Oh, I got, you know, a special upbringing, but like both my parents were there. They were, I, I had, I got to travel when I was young and, and, um, I, you know, I was able to, to go out to the Hamptons. I didn't know what that meant. You know what I'm saying? Like go out to the Hamptons and sit on the water and sit with my grandfather while he barbecued. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know. But I, I didn't understand the value of, yeah. I used to think about this a lot. Like my, my, I would show up with my mother and my father and like all of these people would converge on the house and what was so on my grandfather's house. And I used to think people were there for the cooking or whatever the case may be. And that, that was very diverse. And you have to understand at that particular time, 
Um, we're talking about Long Island, like way out in Long Island. At that mm-hmm. particular time, we would have white people in the house. We would have um, Indian Americans. We had black Indian Americans. We had this we had this cultural segment. We had we had we had Jewish Americans in the house. And I had this wide, diverse access to all of these different cultures and all of these different things. And they would sit there and they would play cards mm. or they would sit there and they would all cook. And there'd be eight people in the kitchen cooking. That was as big as a postage stamp. And I used to think that they were there for the food and they were there for the, for the, and I realize now that they were there for my grandparents and they created this place for people. And, and, and my biggest fear is not being able to recreate that experience of my home is everybody's home. And everyone is welcome. And you all have a voice here. You all have a place here. I love you. And let me and to show my children is that we all can be a humanistic family, because that's really how I that's really how I came up. And I'm really scared that I won't be able to recreate that in some regard, because there, there has been a breakdown of that mm. as I've gotten older. Like, you know, you just lose touch with people. My mother's friends pass like mm-hmm. it's changed. And I really. I, I have a lot of friends of a lot of different ilks and I want I I really want my children to experience the world, the panacea that is the world and understand that anything is possible. All of these people are are good people, no matter what they look like, no matter what they do, no matter where they live. All of these people are awesome. And I really want to recreate that. I think that's those are some of my biggest those are some of my biggest fears. Well, you, it start it starts with sharing the actual value as opposed to the going to places and things of that nature. It starts with those little lessons, and that's what's more important than anything. The best advice my mother ever gave me was in my room at twenty two years old, or twenty years old, whatever how old I was when she got pregnant. Twenty years old, twenty two, twenty two. She said to me, "When you make a promise." Keep the promise. You can buy kids. Don't remember all the shit you buy them. They remember Mm -hmm. when you don't show up. They remember when you, they remember when you, when you break their heart. Mm -hmm. So as long as you keep the promise, it doesn't matter if the promise is kept and you take it to the park or you, you don't have the money to do a lot of things. You still picked her up. You still acknowledge that your, your word is bond and you're going to make that trek or whatever. And there was times when I would call, you know, and I couldn't make it just because I was living in Jersey. I didn't have my job was fucked up. I didn't have no car. And my daughter lived all the way in Uniondale, Long Island. And I'm in Jersey. So it was hard. But and I'd have to make that phone call. My car was broken down or something like that. And it was hard. But nine times out of 10, if I told her I was going to do something for her, I made sure I did it. And that's what you have to go into this uh at the very least, that's what you have to go into with uh, with your with, with your uh, new new child, Mac. You got to just give them give them whatever you promise her or him. You have to give them that and 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 just come, just show up, just it's show up. Never, it's never monetary. It's never materialistic, right? Because I, a, a child would trade all of that for the time. Mm-hmm. I just kind of learned that lesson yesterday with her. Just kind of just because I'm always thinking in provider mode, like, OK, well, how much is it going to cost? What do you want? Let's do this. Let's make you happy. Blah, blah, blah. Let's just, you know, keep it doing like, you know, the fucking the provider hunter gatherer ogre. Right. So mm-hmm. yesterday I had that moment with her and I felt 
it felt awesome because she's like, well, let me sit next to you. Okay, you can sit next to me. And then let me lay your head on, lay my head on your on your chest. And then I instantly flashed back to when she was like fucking three months old and she was laying on my chest. And I was touching her hair and smelling her hair and remembering how my mother used to do that to me. So it's it's that that fucking time is so fucking precious. And you're having those moments right now, Rick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. L, we all have those moments. And yeah, no doubt. You, Rick's having them a, a lot more because they're at that you're the world age. Right. Yeah. You know, they get to about 13. They're like, yeah, I could do without this nigga. But, you know, <laughs> you I know, still need his credit card. I still need his credit card. <laughs> uh, this Uber Eats is coming. Um, so <laughs> but um, I but, have this forty two dollar donut. That's very important. That yo, you take care of right. Now. Right. Yo. Her Amazon cart is always full, son. Yo, so is my son. And then I'm getting like the fucking notifications. Why do you have so much shit in this Amazon cart? Everything is in that cart. But no, honestly, you, you got to go into it as simple as that. Just keep the promises that you make. So speaking of speaking of technology, I just want to I just want I want to ask you guys, because just being mindful of time. How are you guys managing social media the instant gratification and the loss. There's a certain amount of innocence that is lost because they have access to so much information so young, instantly. Our kids will never know what it never know what it is to not know something. Our mm-hmm. kids will never, never have, they'll always be able to pick up their phone and say, it, whether it's true or not, that's a debatable, but they'll always be able to pick up something and have an answer. To their question. And I remember when I was younger, when we were coming up, you're like, I don't know. We'll figure it out sometime. Mm-hmm. So, but how do you guys deal with that? How are you guys managing that? And I know, I know all the butt dials that I get from Rick's phone. I know they start <laughs> they starting to play with the phone. I get I get mad butt dials. Yo, Mac, Rick is calling you. Oh, it's they not the with the phone. They know the phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They can un- they they don't unlock it, but they figured out how to get to the emergency dial screen which has my mother's number, has Vinny's number, has your number, has Leon's number, has my sister's number. Those are the emergency numbers they can dial, and they will dial them. So if I fuck around and leave my phone unlocked on the table, they just go I, I speak to Rick's kids more than I speak to him. Like, exactly. <laughs> That's what they like. Every time I see a missed call, I'm like, oh, the kids got the phone. The kid, yeah, the kids wanted to talk to me. I understand. <laughs> getting, getting fucking squiggle HM circle dot text messages and shit. Like, Amir's got the phone. Happy face, happy face eggplant. I'm like, nah, that's not Rick's. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to your point, the, the technology is a double-edged sword, right? So my kids are always online. So and then particularly now with the pandemic and the self-quarantine, we had to figure out what the balance is for them to be able to kind of deal with the stress of not being able to go out as much as they used to. Um, so we 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 manage that. It's a day to day thing. I tend to try to curb their uh, online time as much as possible without making them feel encumbered. But sometimes I've, I just want them off the machines. I just but at the same time, I'm on my phone like 24 seven. Yeah, right. so I do feel hypocritical at times, but I'm like, I'm I'm paying the bill, so yeah, fuck that. There with it. But you on your phone? It's my phone. I pay. Yeah, they do say that. They do say that. But you um, on your phone. Shut up. But the other side is, 
<laughs> we also have more access to to information because I often find myself like the, last week I was looking up articles. How do I connect with my sons more? Hmm, and wh- how do I find ways or what what are activities that we can do that we can build a connection? So the information is both ways. Like they might be getting access to more information than we had as as kids, but we also have more information or access to more information as adults and parents than our parents did. So I'm trying to, you know, use the technology as as well as I can and all the the access to the information. Um, but Roblox is real. <laughs> Smash Brothers is real. Smash Bros, sorry, is real. Like they constantly want to play with their friends and cousins online. So it is what it is. And then porn, that's that's a whole nother thing that you got to deal with. Um, and we've so had to talk to our son. Yeah, we've had to talk to our son about, you know, this is not the type of material that you want to be taking in because you don't even understand what it is to be in a relationship. And these are not healthy examples of having a, a, a loving relationship with a I'm woman. Sorry. I just had this thought of your son <laughs> seeing some porn and going to school and acting like the fucking plumber. I want to lay some pipe. I'm here to lay some pipe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mr. Cawthorn, um, he came to me with a teacher-student fantasy and he, he was grabbing himself. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> that uh, let me be... get two packs in now, ladies. <laughs> mortifying. And, uh, bubble to? Butts number 69. That, that would be mortifying. What does that mean? To? What does that mean? <laughs> what, uh, yes. What, what do you get that, that from? What does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but, but the fact that I was able to have the conversation was, was, it, it helped me. My wife kind of punked out on me in the beginning, but then, you know, once we started to get the conversation going, she was mm-hmm. able to, uh, you know, contribute. But um, th- these are the type of conversations that you have to have and you have to stay vigilant and f- see what websites that they're accessing and um, who who do they have access on these online platforms. So it's just another level of protection that you have to uh, provide. Who was on BigTitties.com? Oh, oh, that was me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to separate his search. His search, uh, his, his search can use my devices. That is a fuck? house rule. Bed-Stuy Broads? Who the fuck? <laughs> no one can use my devices. Here's That's the thing. Here's the thing though. A 12-year-old who's found pornography, you're not mm. slowing it down. Actually, we have. We have. Because we, we have access to what he watches. Yeah. And the reason we found out is because <laughs> he tried to ask for additional time. But I don't think he realized that it, told, it tells you what website you're on when you're asking additional time. Oh. So um, and then I also do phone checks like indiscriminately just hand over the phone. So, he's on Twitter. Trust me. No, he's not on Twitter. He's on YouTube. Which he's is looking at Twitter. No, he's not. He's, he, he, I, I can any, tell you what he's on. Anything that's going to get his dick hard at 12 years old, he's on it. Trust he's, me. Yeah, he yeah. is on He's on. That's Discord. a Playboy. That's a Playboy. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you what he's on. Bible. When when I was 12 years old. <laughs> well, I don't know if it'll be around by the time. I was 12 years old. HBO ran their little their their yeah, dirty absolutely. movies after 12, right? But I didn't have HBO. Neither did I. But I was just about to say. If you went to channel 53, yes. And you flip between 53 and 54, yes. every once in a while you could catch a titty. And that was enough. <laughs> 
It'd be snowy, but it would be snowy, but yes. It's a snowy titty and snowy titty. titty. That's the title right the there. Best titty. Snowy titties. Yo, the screen just had to straighten up for just a second. You saw the titty and you heard, ah! It got fuzzy again, but that was enough. This is a trigger warning. Take out the lube because your ears are about to get fucked. Everybody, nope. what was your first nope. piece of porn? My first piece of porn was in my grandfather's in my grandfather's basement. There was a stack of magazines, and it was a magazine called We, which was French. O U I. I will never oh, forget yeah. this magazine. I that magazine. It's <laughs> not a porn magazine. Remember that magazine? It no, was, but it, it was had. A but it had. It was it a had titties. Magazine. It was a picture magazine. Yeah, yeah. It had titties. But it was called. It, it was called We, mm-hmm. and that was the first time. I sat there and I took it in like I was reading the Constitution for the first time in school. That's how. So that was my first exposure. To how, old, how old was that? Oh, shit. I don't remember. Maybe I don't remember. I don't remember. I'd have to think about it. I, I probably was somewhere like 10, 11, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. 10, 11, 10, 11, 12. Might have been a little younger, but I, I'm, I'm certain I was at probably 10, 11, uh, 10, 11, 12. I don't remember. I, I, I know we were young. I know we were fucking young. I I think I was probably in elementary school. Yeah. The first first time my my the the mechanic that my mother used to go to in his waiting room, which my mother never went in because it was it was it was dirty. Like it was it was it was for men. Like gotcha. no woman would sit in this room. But I was cold and I wouldn't go in there and sit. I would say I was cold. Yeah. But I knew that there <laughs> I was, was cold. Playboys. I <laughs> I knew there was Playboys under the stacks of magazines. Oh wow! Mm. Got to see some Bush. For Got me, to see some Bush Gardens. It was. I'm hesitant to say his name, but I'll just say my uncle because I don't want my cousin to be like, "You are a jerk." Um, <laughs> it was my uncle, and he had picked me up. I don't know where we were going. We we're probably going to the uh, the the lodge. Um, but he stopped at the church, but in the back seat, I was in the back seat, and he had the Vanessa Williams penthouse. Uh, 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 wow. What an introduction. Porn. Wow. And that's where you started? You started that's where I started. I started, oh. I started up there. I started up there. <laughs> but that was late, though. That must have been late, though. That was, that was late. I, had to, I had to look it up. Was it was late. 84. So I was 11. Um, okay. Well, 11 was late. I didn't know. Well, I thought it was later than that. I thought Vanessa oh. Williams was like 88. <laughs> like, wait, Nigga, what? I was, no, no, no. I was I three Vanessa years old. Was three. Yeah, I, was three. I was three years old. I was three and looking I was... at we. <laughs> no, no, I thought I thought Vanessa Williams we was like 14. I, was, I, I had my sippy cup and some titties in my face. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was older. That's why I had to look it up. But it looks like it was 84. Okay, um, all right, all right. That's and the, that's the other, my, my boy stole a porn mag from this uh, uh, candy store uh, out in Brooklyn Heights. And uh, I, I will never forget. He Come shared back that with my dirty magazine, you fucking <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Where are you going? You dirty kid. No, nah, back Give then, me then it was me and my boy Rick. And we... Nah, uh, back then it was a white guy. It was a white guy. No, then. no. I, it was Indian dudes for me. In, in Brooklyn. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Monty, Where are you going, you dirty bitch? That's my magazine. I th- it was either Hicks. I think it was Hicks Street. And we actually hid the magazine in a bush in like... Under the under 287, under the BQE. Wow. And it was really weird because it, 
it was exposed to rain and all types of elements. But we would walk by it, pick it up, read the magazine for a little bit, and then throw it back in the bush. <laughs> you it know what's funny fun. about that? Library. It was a library. <laughs> right, it was a library. <laughs> when Vin and I were in elementary school, the first dirty magazine, like penthouse, like full, yeah. full on spread eagle. Snatchburger. Was mm. in a bush. Like it was a dead end by the by the schoolyard. Mm. And somebody had discarded this magazine. Like it obviously had been out in the rain for probably <laughs> weeks. But you could still make out like there was <laughs> pages sticking together. There was still pages that were that were was visible. That Is that a pussy? <laughs> But that was the thing. Like it was, it was. That was the first time you saw like pussy, like yes, out. Yes. Yeah, Freddy it wasn't just like yeah. it wasn't just like it wasn't just like a little pubic artistic. Hair yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. This wasn't Playboy. This so, was full on penthouse. So here, here we are sharing stories, right? And 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 I can concur with Rick because we, you know, we we grew up together, saw some shit. But look how kind of abstract those stories are. Hmm. Compared to Hello Google, yes, porn, anal porn, Arab porn, Asian. That's porn, what they can do now, porn, and that's big ass porn. what's scary. Big yeah, porn, the internet is very, very scary. You know, and I think about yeah. that all the time, and I'm scared because you know what, what the fuck are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And we 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 got to regulate as best we can. We got to talk to them very frankly, and and hope that you know they 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 stay safe. Because yeah. you know, there's a dark side to it too. I I just don't. I I'm just very. I guess because I also work in a very digital world. I don't want my kids to be afraid of it, and I don't want people to fear. I don't. I don't want my kids to fear it. I want them to understand it and respect it the same way that they would respect a firearm. Like this thing is can be very useful in the right circumstances, but it can also be very detrimental to you if if. If, it, if you don't respect it or if you don't use it in the right context or if you don't use it in, in the right way or if you become addicted to this thing, this thing can be very harmful to your life. But at the same time, this thing can be a tool to propel you and, and have a great deal of success in your yeah. world. And you won't be able to operate without it. So those are those are my considerations the, at this the, time. The first, the the first lesson is going to be the first lesson is going to be teaching them the proper context. Proper context. Wait, what? Yeah. Context. Context. <laughs> and the, with the that, first stage is going to be teaching them. Oh, the, the context. Con- he's drinking. It's kicking in over there. <laughs> it is. That's that West Coast shit. That's that West Coast. What are you should guys I, drinking? Should I introduce it? Over? This week's libation. Yeah, what this you, is called the, the Noble Oak, double mm, oak bourbon, like bourbon whiskey finished it with uh, sherry oak cask. Did you buy that out there or did you bring it, did you bring it with you? No, I brought it out here. Oh, OK. And I, and well, I, and I, and I bought it through Instacart. Very nice. Oh, all right. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. What you drink, L? Uh, Yave Blanco tequila. Oh, one of our favorites. Yave. Uh, you know, I went to White Boy Ray and I got myself a Coors Light here. You know, <laughs> Coors Light American beer. It's tasty. It goes down smooth. You know, and, and you don't really get a hangover. You just piss like a racehorse every once in a while. Here, you know, <laughs> that's great. You know, Mac, what you I doing? am. 
I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm drinking Grey Goose uh, Melon. That's really bad. Melon. Melon? Le Melon. That's Le Melon. Oh, that's Le Melon. Nice. That sounds like a hangover tomorrow. I got like 12 ounces and then it's done. So I had to get rid of it. Le Hangover. Le (laughs) Hangover. Luckily, I don't have nowhere to go tomorrow. So I'm I'm chilling. Yeah, I got Le 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 Hangover. Listen, everybody, this has been the fatherhood episode of Decoding 40. I'm very excited. Part one, I think. Yeah, part <laughs> one. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm very excited for for for, for my uh, little bambino to get here. And um I want to shout out everybody who's out there dealing with this, dealing with fatherhood and motherhood out here in this in COVIDville. I hope you guys are being safe and, and standing up high. We appreciate you guys for listening to Decoding 40. Check us out every Friday on your favorite platforms and every Monday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook and YouTube for Decoding 40 After Dark. Any last words, fellas? Peace. 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 Peace.